Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the world's greatest podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Just me and Stan this week. Jim is off playing darts. He's on the main. He's on the main roster now, shall we say? It's at darts, Stan. Yeah, he's he's on the road to glory to uh, to Ali Pali for December. Yeah, he's just gone up from NXT. He's on the main roster, and he's finally yeah. going to get that big cash grab. Yeah, Vince Mack's going to give him a phone call soon, about September, I reckon. Well, he is going to create a bidding more in 2022 from the two big companies. <laughs> but someone, Stan, nice little segue, someone who else might be creating a little bit of a bidding more himself in the summer, whether he decides to stay or go from Man United this summer. Cristiano Ronaldo, a lot of mm-hmm. people, Stan, saying his showing at OT at Old Trafford Got Tom Brady to unretire. So, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it, I think that'd be a nice thing to believe, but a lot of cynics are just thinking that it was all planned anyway. I suppose it was just ideal that, um, you know, Tom Brady happened to be there. Uh, Ronaldo scores a hat trick, and then Tom Brady decides, oh, no, no, uh, I'm going to go back. But I think he was probably always going to go back. I think I've seen a lot of cynics saying anyway. Um, but yeah, it was it was a mad moment. Only a second that trick for, for United. I was there with my dad, so that was a a great thing to witness, an honour to witness. To be fair, um, arguably the greatest player of all time, definitely in my eyes, the greatest greatest player I've ever seen for United. Anyway, um, scoring a hat trick um, in a game that every single goal meant meant you know just as much as the last one in a game that you know we won three two. So. Um, yeah, no, it was it was brilliant, and there's been a lot of people, including myself, that um, you know, quite rightfully, I think, have been questioning what Ronaldo's brought to to United this season. Obviously, he has brought us goals, but I mean, I think that was only his third, fourth, and fifth or something in 2022. So, a guy that you know is paid so much money and, and starts pretty much whenever he's fit. Um, we have needed. A lot more out of him, you know, or, or at least we expected that when we signed him. And, you know, I'm just happy that he did have one of those big game performances still left in him, a big, you know, hat trick in, in a game, like I say, it was 3-2 in a game that was a must win for United if we are going to have a chance of getting top four this season. Yeah, obviously, you, you've said that you love Ronaldo. A lot of people, I'm, I'm personally, I'm just happy to see them both. But Leo and Ronaldo... Uh, they are getting on, whether we like it or not, Stan. But 807 goals to his name now for the record. I forgot the uh, the name of the guy's record. I bet you know it. Was it, it, it was, it was, it's, is it Biscan or Biskin or something? Bishan yeah. or, I don't know how yeah. it's pronounced. It's something like that anyway. Um, yeah, but 807 yeah. goals for the big man, Stan. A record. Yeah, it's a, it's a joke. I mean, a ridiculous amount of, of, of hat tricks as well. I mean, he's got more hat tricks and a lot of um, a lot of other players have got career goals so um, yeah it, it's a joke he's now officially the highest goal scorer ever in, in the history of, of men's football so yeah it, it's just ridiculous I mean the fact you know he's played for, for my club United twice as well and like I say it was it was just an honour to see him and that you know he still has those kind of performances and those kind of clutch moments and, and, and goals still left in him at the age of, of 37 because like you say him and Messi have been you know absolutely ridiculous for the last 15 years um, and you know it is coming to an end and that's only natural but um, it's nice to see that no matter how old they're getting they still have these ridiculous moments and still at the highest level so uh, 
Yeah, it's another record for Ronaldo. Uh, 807, was it? 808, something like that anyway. And now, you know, he, he is literally, there is no argument that he is he is the best goal scorer in the history of men's football. And and yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll like that. It's another um, another little award to put on his, on his, uh, on his bookcase. Very true. Enough about Ronaldo. More on Man United. So, Wolves, West Ham and Man United all played 29 games and they're only separated collectively by four points. Wolves on 46, West Ham on 48 and Man United on 50. Arsenal in fourth place at the moment stand on 41, uh, sorry, on 51 points. However, there is a catch. They do have three games in hand on Man United. So, these three games for Arsenal stand. How big are they in Man United season? Yeah, I mean, the the massive for us, yeah. Um, obviously, United want to be getting top four, as do, you know, Spurs, West Ham, Wolves, whoever, whoever else is still there. So, um, yeah, from a United point of view, I think two of those games are Liverpool and, and Tottenham. So, I'm not sure who the third one is, but I think it might be Villa, is it? I'm not sure anyway, but I mean... He could quite easily out of the Liverpool and Spurs games come out with no points, uh, despite how well they have been playing. Uh, I think it's like five or six wins in a row now in the league, which we haven't seen an Arsenal team do for for many a year, and definitely not under Arteta in the last couple of years. Anyway, with with back to back, you know, eighth finishes and, and missing out on on European football for this season. Um, yeah, it's massive. United need to be in the Champions League. We're still in it at the moment, and you know. Um, Barring Arsenal messing up, you'd think that they will get that fourth position. And also barring United doing something that I wouldn't deem impossible because, you know, teams at a similar level than United have, you know, gone on to do it. And that's United winning the Champions League to get them at a Champions League place. But um, yeah, from a United position, we'll be, we'll be closely watching and hoping that they do drop some points in those in those three games in hand. But United still have to play them at the Emirates. So, you know, it could come down to that game. That is a, a huge six-pointer for, uh, for the top four. And it, like I say, Arsenal could be, you know, ahead of us by that point and we could be on the same games. But... A win for United there could really throw the cat amongst the pigeons for the last three or four uh, games of the season. Uh, I, th- I think, oh no, it's a lot more than that actually because the Liverpool game's been moved out. I think we play, uh, we have a three-week break actually after Atletico tomorrow and then I think we play three games and then Arsenal. So uh, Arsenal, we might even be on the same amount of games by the time that Arsenal game comes round and we'll know where we stand. I'm sure it's one that we'll have to win no matter what though. Um, but yeah, for, from Arsenal's perspective as well, like I say, They've not had a time cut where they've won five games in a row. I mean, from almost a neutral position, do you think that, um, you know, this is the best football Arsenal have played and, and do you think that they are they're going to get top four this season? I mean, Arsenal, in, in my lifetime of seeing them, they've always been well-renowned for playing nice football. It's whether they can get the job done on the big stages, what's going to separate Arteta in his early reign and Wenger in his late reign. I think that's fair to say because the ambition in Wenger's late reign and now the Arteta ambition is the exactly, it's exactly the same, sorry. Um, it's to get in the top four. And I think that this is the best football they played under Arteta so far. It's almost like he's got rid of the dead wood and maybe the troublemakers in the group in without speculating any names, <coughs> Bamiyang. But um, bad throw. I've had a bad throw all week. I have, I have. <laughs> I have. Go and ask my GP. But yeah, um, it's definitely the best football Arteta has had him play in this season. And his key players are stepping up. I know at the weekend, Thomas Partey had a very good game. 
against Leicester. And uh, so did Aaron Ramsdale. A lot of talk about him being England's number one for the World Cup, Stan. Let's finish on that. What do you think? Um, yeah, he's got every chance. I mean, I know Southgate loves Pickford, so I think he'd have to do very, very well to, to get over Pickford. But if you're looking at it without that, um, without that uh, context there, if you're just looking at them as the best English uh, goalkeepers, I mean... Ramsdale's the best at the moment for me. I mean, I thought he was brilliant yesterday and uh, Arsenal fans will will tell you that he's been brilliant all season and obviously Pickford's down there with Everton near the relegation zone for a reason. I'm sure we'll get onto that. And the likes of Nick Pope, I think, has been in and out of the team and obviously Dean Henderson's lost his, his number one spot to David De Gea. So I think if he's got, if anybody's got the best chance of challenging Pickford, it's definitely Aaron Ramsdale. Welcome back, listeners. You've heard the music. You know it is that time. Bet of the week. Let's get straight into it. So, only one Prem game this weekend. Aston Villa versus Arsenal, and it is at 12.30. So, we're going to go both teams to score. No draw at Villa Park. Arsenal versus Aston Villa. Right, we're going to have to dip into League One because there's one Prem game this weekend. We're going to go Bolton to beat Crew away from home. And we're also going to go Wigan Athletic to beat Morecambe in League One. And then in the FA Cup, as promised, Chelsea travel to the Riverside Stadium. Chelsea to beat Middlesbrough. And that completes Bet the Week. Just to round it up again, we've got Aston Villa versus Arsenal. Both teams to score, no draw in that one. Bolton to beat... Um, Hang on. Bolton to be oh fuck. Bolton to beat crew away from home and Wigan Athletic to win at home to Morecambe, followed by Chelsea to beat Middlesbrough in the FA Cup. And Stan, what can the listeners do with that? They can shove it up the big bloody hackers. So listeners, this week, along with your bet of the week. We have gone to fellow guest of the pod, Lou, who's actually got us some Cheltenham tips for the upcoming Cheltenham races this week to use on Skybet, not a sponsor, just to reiterate that, Skybet aren't a sponsor, but if you use Skybet, uh, deposit £10, I believe it is, um, and if it loses the first race at Cheltenham, you get your money back, not as a free bet, but you get your money back, so... There's four races, so Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. Four races at Cheltenham, so you might be able to win some money on these races. And like I said, it's not going to cost you anything. You deposit a tenner if you lose, take that tenner, do whatever you want with it. So, loose tips are as follows. So starting on Tuesday, he's gone for John Bond. Very competitive race. This is what Lou said, by the way. Lou's give you nice little details on every one of these races. So And some rationale, so why you should pick him. So he's gone for John Bond. Very, very competitive race. And the first three look very good. Siding with John Bond, as his form is working out well. Great jumper. And he has had three runs and experience counts at Cheltenham. So that's the one for Tuesday on the first race at Cheltenham. Going on to Wednesday, first race. Sir Gerard. Very hard to beat. Crap price, so maybe go three-stripe life without fave. Moving on to Thursday. Front two, both very good. Hard to pick between them. I'll side with Bob Ollinger. He has more speed, but Galopin is a better jumper. And that's Thursday's race. And last but not least, he's gone for, on Friday, Phil Dorr, each way, 
should appreciate the fast pace of this one. Triumph usually makes string stayers, jumps well, so hopefully goes well. On his form, he'd hopefully be good enough to place. Look for extra places if you can. So thank you very much for those Cheltenham tips, Lou. And good luck to everyone betting on the festival. We do appreciate that this is a football podcast. However, this is free money for our listeners and we do take care of our listeners. So thank you once again, Lou, for the Cheltenham picks and good luck to everyone betting on the festival. And just one last time, we're not associated with Skybet, but if they want to chuck us some money our way, they are more than welcome to. Okay, so welcome back, listeners. We're going to talk about Roman Abramovich and Chelsea and the whole situation with the sanctioning, if you haven't heard. Uh, if you've been living under a rock, Roman Abramovich has been sanctioned by the UK government. Um, and basically, without going fully into detail of it, Chelsea can't do anything apart from sell the club. Um, I mean, just to get your, your thoughts on this initially... Um, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it's uh, particularly fair from your point of view, being a Chelsea fan, that the uh, the club is, is, is being punished? I think that, obviously, it's hard to say because he obviously owns Chelsea. We are a business under his ownership. and But the, but the thing is, he... They've, they've been very harsh to us I would say like they've limited us to 20 grand per away game but we've got a, an away trip to Lille on Wednesday and then let's say we get through and draw Real Madrid for example we're never going to get 24 players and staff to Madrid for two to three nights for a Champions League game it's just unrealistic and they're, they're hitting but what pisses me off the most is they argue in Parliament that they're not going to deduct points from Chelsea and punish Chelsea because we're of cultural importance to England. So why are you not letting the fans go to the game? Fair enough, don't let any of the money go to Roman, but don't. But let the fans go to the games. Let the fans buy merchandise. Give it to Ukraine. Give the money to Ukraine. That, I don't know if that's yeah. me being a bit biased or whatever, but they have hit Chelsea fans hard. Like, I can't, I can't go to a game. I don't have a season ticket. I, I'm a member, but I go to a lot of games. But I can no longer go to games. And like I said, I would sooner my money go to the Ukraine than the government. But they're not even giving us that choice. They've just said we're not allowed to go. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does seem from the outside looking at it, I mean, because you can't even do any contracts. You can't sell players, buy players. You've already mentioned fans can't go, no away fans. Uh, merchandise, etc. Um, it does look from the outside looking in that they are basically saying to Chelsea, um, you can't do anything apart from sell it because you know it comes down to the fact that Abramovich is still the owner, uh, and you know they're basically being blocked from doing anything but uh, make that um, you know not be the case, get somebody else in. So, cut my question for you is um, probably moving away from a negative in terms of you know the sanctions and the effect it's had on. Chelsea's fans in particular. From a Chelsea fan point of view, what's the best case scenario now, obviously, disregarding Abramovich, but let's say Abramovich is gone. What's the best case scenario now for Chelsea in terms of where you go from here and who could possibly, you know, invest or take over the club? Well, there's there's obviously Chelsea aren't suit, uh, sorry, they're not short of suitors. Chelsea aren't short of suitors. And there's a lot of people wanting to buy them and a lot of people obviously want a piece of the pie. We're a, we're a big team in England, in the capital of England. We're a very 
Um, we're very. Uh, I'm trying to think. We're a very. Uh, I'm trying to think what I want to say. Very sought after. Very sought after team. I, th- I think the best case scenario for us is that this gets done quickly, especially for the fans, because other than watching the team play every other weekend at home or away, it's miserable. Like hearing this, like not knowing that what's going to happen and and who's going to own you. Like the last thing I would want and. It's, it's it has happened to teams in the past I would hate it if our team fell into the hands of like a royal family from a country that has never heard of us until the sanctions came in and a guy I would I would I would hate that I would obviously still support my team because it's my team and I'm not going to change but I would hate that and I would also hate it and I know obviously this is in an ideal world for me as a fan I would hate it if like four people owned us you know, like a consortium, if like about some some guy owns 40%, another guy owns 20%, another guy owns 40%, like that would be very annoying. It's been very convenient for the fans to have Roman, one guy who's like, I will always put money in and I, I will never take anything out. So that's in a best case scenario for us that it gets done quickly, I would say. But that's a worst yeah. case scenario as well. Yeah, I mean, is it is it was it Nick is it Nick Candy? Uh, yeah. a guy you, give uh, me some candy. Some candy, yeah. Or, or <laughs> you ain't getting none of this candy. Give me some Nick. Same yeah, us. that's it. Yeah, yeah. You ain't getting none of this candy. It depends which way it depends which way it goes. But I think um, you know, for me, from from uh, from my perspective, I think the best case scenario for Chelsea would be yeah, you are right. Get this done quickly. Get the fans back in the ground. Uh, get any players' contracts sorted. Basically, have the the um, as little as a detrimental impact as possible that these sanctions have had. Just you know, try and move it on quickly. And for me, if if I could choose, it definitely wouldn't be um, you know a state or or any sort of consortium where, like you say, different percentages where people can fall out and the club could eventually fall into the wrong hands, which is actually what happened at United eventually with, you know, Mania and Manus walking out and, and the Glazers buying the rest. Um, but, you know, we won't go too much into that. I already have done that before, but I think the best case scenario for Chelsea would be Nick Candy, who I know is a, a Chelsea season ticket holder, uh, a Chelsea fan. I know his dad was as well. Um, and, um, the fans having having quite a large chunk of 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 a say economically and and you know perhaps having fans on the board as well which I know Chelsea have looked at before since obviously the the fallout from the European Super League so I think this is a moment now for Chelsea where the fans can have a lot more of a say I'm not saying it with 50 plus one but having a fan on the club and openly you know I saw his interview with Sky Sports saying that he wants the fans to be active on the board and you know in in you know the decisions that the club does, I think that would be the best case scenario for Chelsea. And hopefully if a club, like you say, that Chelsea does it, the current European champions, it's a um, a format or at least a template that the other big clubs can look at, especially if it, if it does run smoothly. So, uh, yeah, that for me is, is probably the best, getting that Nick Candy in and getting the, the fans involved. Um, so, yeah, but I, I do think, I do, I do, uh, do sympathise with Chelsea fans uh, a little bit in you know in terms of that they are suffering um you know from not going games or whatever and it is their owner but the cynical side of me does think that they have benefited from from their owner as well so uh, with the type of guy that he is uh, it was probably only a matter of time before 
you know, <laughs> he was sanctioned and, and the fans who have benefited, let's be honest, from from Abramovich's money and and, and presence at the club, uh, you know, they suffer as well. So that's it. What goes around comes back around as, as Justin Timberlake sang once upon a time. Okay, so welcome back. We're going to talk a little bit about the ever-changing relegation situation that's going on in the Premier League with Everton dropping in and out and shaking it all about as well as all the others. But um, we have got a little voice message off Jim, who who isn't here because, like we said before, he is on on a road to glory to to the final of Ali Pali against um, Gerwin Price, the Iceman. Um, that that's his final matchup. So here's a little message from Jim that we will play for you, and me and Cut will uh, will react to afterwards. The relegation battle continues to ebb and flow as we enter the business end of the season, guys. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna give a bit of a rundown for it. Basically, see who's in trouble, who's maybe safe. Um, in my book, there's five teams in trouble of going to genuine relegation this season. Going to discount Newcastle. Um, their fine form was recently ended. A nine game unbeaten run, uh, winning seven of them or something like that. Since the turn of the year, Eddie Howe's Newcastle, the injection of 80 million, whatever it was, uh, they spent in January has certainly helped. Um, likes of Dan Burns has been really good for him. We've seen Bruno Guimaraes, who scored his first goal, which was all the back here the other week. Um, I, I make them safe. Um, I also make Brentford safe, uh, which is just a few points below them. I haven't totally started banging the goals recently, but I just think the eight-point gap they currently have, I don't see the other teams blowing catching them. I think Brentford have almost looked into a relegation fight, but I think they'll do enough. Um, so that leaves us with a five, and let's run through. Leeds, uh, currently at the top of that, that pile of five after the late winner from Gerald Hart against Norwich that was a must win game if they lost that then this this fight not would be very different maybe if he drew that even which would have been felt like a loss this fight not would be very different but I think Jesse March's arrival has come at just the right time I think if they left it anyway uh, and, you know they could have went down and who knows when the next time they could have came up because they waited plenty of years to get that promotion uh, from the championship Everton below them they've lost again that's four straight under Lampard now for the first time in my lifetime this is an Everton team in genuine genuine fear of going down and it to be the first time that Everton have slipped from the first division in in the history um, which is just maddening to say because that's an unbelievable statistic for them and they are a big club and the players that they've got at the club at the minute they just shouldn't be in this conversation really but they are and if you look at the fixtures, the way they're playing, there's not many winnable games for them. They've got to play West Ham. The next game is at Newcastle, who on form of what the third, second or third best team in the league. West Ham, they're pushing for top four. They've got to play United, Spurs, Chelsea, Liverpool. Who will surely want to see the, the, the neighbours go down. They've got the least amount of winnable games out of the five, I, I think. I've a quick scan of the fixtures. Obviously, the team is better than the rest of the five. So, on any given day, Everton, especially at home, they, they could they could beat anyone. I, I think. Um, I think the team is good. They're just severely underperforming. Jamie Carragher called the defensive championship defence, but it's not. It's just playing like one. Um, they're embarrassing themselves, to be honest. 
Um, Watford, who've got a win and a weekend that will make Everton a bit even, even more nervy. Um, can Roy's men stay up? I th- yeah, I think they can. I think they've got some games they win, but I know they play Burnley, which are just below, which I'll talk about now. Burnley, I'll burn the Watford game, will be massive. I think the winner of that is going to be the only team out of the current bottom three who've got a chance of staying up. Um, I think that comes three or four games before the end of the season. But yeah, that's surely a huge one. Uh, Burnley and Watford are the two teams that I think Everton and Leeds are going to be looking at every week and going, just, I hope we just keep losing. Um, but the, the Burnley are fighters and, and Watford are still getting results here and there under Roy Hodgson. Now Everton have got a lot of games in hand, but like I said, the, the fixtures that they have got to play they're not easy ones I think, it's, I think I missed that Arsenal I think they're going to play Arsenal as well I did not get easy games at all um, and then finally Norwich Norwich uh, for me are down um, it's unfortunate because I think Dean Smith has done a good job since he's took over there but I just don't think I just don't think the team's good enough at all I don't think any manager could keep that side up and credit, for, credit to Dean Smith for taking on that challenge I think I'm, I'd like to think anyway that Dean Smith is ready for the championship next season anyway. Uh, and that's what he thought of initially. I hope he doesn't think if go there for six months, try and keep him up and then leave. Because we've seen Norwich Yo-Yo back and forth and maybe next season, new, some new players, new style play. The season after that, can come back into the Premier League and they can actually stay up for once. Um, but yeah, this mainly is, a, is about Everson, to be honest. There's a lot of worry about him because them teams around and the Leeds is the Norwich's what for Burnley they've got a lot of clauses in the players contracts to to reduce the wages should they go down to fit more of a championship style wage budget but Everton are already one of the Premier League's highest pay, payers outside of the top six I think I think they might be seventh I think it's them or Leicester who pay the most wages out of players and with Kazoo ending those points to deal and the business about the Russian guy who has links to Everton Right, well, anyway, thank you, Jim. Um, it was a longer message than we anticipated, a lot of detail, and that's probably why he is everybody's favourite cookie man, uh, that level of detail that he does, even when he isn't here. But, um, yeah, the evidence stuff really sticks out. I mean, I know they have the game in hands on the other teams, um, like Jim was saying, but the issue is that they aren't winning those games in hands. And if I just run... Um, through Everton's remaining fixtures officially. I know Jim did mention a few of them, but I will just go through who they've got. They are still in the FA Cup, so I suppose that's a shining light if if there ever was one. Um, Wigan won the FA Cup and got relegated one season cook, so uh, could the same be happening for another North Western team? Uh, anyway, I'll go through. So they've got West Ham away next in the league, United at home, Liverpool away, Chelsea at home, Leicester away, Brentford at home, and then Arsenal away. So, I mean, the, on, the only game I look at there when, and I probably would back Everton to maybe win would be Everton at home. I look at the rest and honestly, I mean, they're probably taking draws from them. So they've got to hope the rest of those teams don't, don't you know, pick up points whilst, whilst they're in all those massive games. And like Jim said, they'll be re- in a really, really difficult position with they won't have relegation clauses in like the other teams down there will have. Uh, they just wouldn't have expected at all to even be in this position. Although I'm pretty sure, Cook, that the football gods have decided that with the uh, hiring of Rafa Benitez, uh, a cardinal sin in, in many football fans' eyes, uh, definitely from both sides of that city, red or blue, 
they might have already decided that Everton's fate is sealed and that they will be playing in the Coca-Cola next season away at, at Wigan in the in, at the DW if they do get promoted, uh, which I hope they do, Wigan, uh, on a different note. But, I mean, if, if, I was hearing on TalkSport today, Cut, they were talking, they were saying that there are three teams worse than Everton, but I honestly, I'm looking there... You've got, obviously, Norwich, Burnley, Watford that make up the three, Everton just above that. And then you've got Leeds, Brentford and Newcastle, although, you know, we will count, count out Leeds and... Uh, not Leeds, sorry, Brentford and Newcastle. But I don't think Everton are much better than any of those three that are in the relegation zone or Leeds. I mean, what do you think? Do you think, do you think that Talksport are right? Do you think that there are three teams worse than them? I think on current form, I think Everton are, are definitely up there with the worst team in the league with with Norwich, I would say, in current form. Because, obviously, Rafa couldn't get a tune out of these players and I, I personally think that he is past it anyway, Rafa Benitez. But Frank's come in, a guy with ideas, a younger guy, new ideas, new methods of doing things, and they've not really responded as of yet. Obviously, the banking on these three games in hand now, they can go from 22 points straight up to 31 points level with Newcastle, but then Newcastle will have a game in hand on them. But I think that it's just it's just when you think you know who's down. For example, prior to Watford winning 2-1 this weekend, I'd have probably said they were down. But then winning away at Southampton's made me think, well, a couple more of them and win a couple of your home games, you're probably safe if Burnley don't win their games in hand and nor do Everton. But yeah. like, you, like you said, it's the, it's the Prem and anyone can beat anyone. But Everton, with the players they've got as well, Richarlison, Calvert-Lewin, Andre Gomez, these are good players. These are players that can play and players that on the day. Remember, Richarlison didn't Barca bid 80 million for him once on deadline yeah. day. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Like they've they've got the caliber of player they've invested in Deli Ali and Donny van der Beek, and these players really need to pull the socks up because I wouldn't have said it at the start of the season, Stan. I'd have probably said Everton were, were looking at mid table to latter European conference places, but now they're in a relegation scrap. Yeah, it's it's a, a huge wake up call there for for Everton. Uh, even if they do manage to stay up, there are big changes needed and. Should they go down, there will be massive changes anyway, uh, obviously with the fallout of that. I did back Watford to stay up. I do think they still have a chance. I mean, out of them for me, um, those four teams, five teams, whatever we've mentioned, I do think they have the most firepower in them. They've got players like Saar, Josh King, Emmanuel Dennis, who I think is a, is a great player and will we'll get his move if they do end up going down. And, and, you know, most importantly, Jim mentioned it, they've got Roy Hodgson, who's been there, knows how to set a team up. They won uh, yesterday, or, or, yeah, yesterday it was at Southampton, like you've mentioned. If they can get another win or another two, then, you know, they could push themselves out. And, you know, Everton's, Everton's fixture list is really not one to be, uh, uh, the, you know, jealous of in any way at all, because it's very difficult. I'm looking at that and they might only pick up three points in the last six or seven games. If, if you know, the favourites do win those games, if you go with the bookies' choices. So, they, they really are in danger. Um, Norwich probably down. I think Burnley are struggling. They've they've not done well in the last few weeks. So I do think that last that last relegation spot is between Watford, Everton, or Leeds. And I think Watford are probably best set up in terms of you know fixture list, uh, manager, and um, gun power. Should we say it? Firepower. Should we say um, to to be the one that stays up. 
Welcome back, Cookie Pod listeners. It is time for the last segment of the episode. It is the time where we have to speak about Mohamed Salah and his contract situation at Liverpool. So Jim's obviously not here. He's on the darts. He's too busy getting 180s. Okay. And then Stan, he's literally just had to leave because somebody has rang him from the BBC. No word of a lie this. Would I lie to you lot? Obviously, I wouldn't do that. Someone has just rang him then from a withheld number from the BBC, right? And he's mouthing someone's name to me now. I, I can't really... Well, it looks like he's saving, saying David Williams. I don't know. But yeah, someone's rang him and... They've asked him to do something for Red Nose Day. He keeps like touching his nose and pointing to the colour red on my fridge. So I presume that's what that is. So Stan won't be here for the final segment. But Jim has, again, this is why he's such a good lad. He's messaged us in with a voice note about Mohamed Salah and his contract situation at Liverpool. So here's Jim with that. Hey, podcasters. Hey, Cookie Monsters. Jim here checking in again. Um, on Mohamed Salah the league's best player, the world's best player, maybe, um, recently has come into some contract stalls with Liverpool. Um, as we know, his deal runs out in the summer of 2023, so Liverpool will be hoping to either set up now or keep him, but now is the time to act if you don't want to lose the best player they've had for some years on a free transfer. Um, it's reported that he's not agreed to any deal yet. I don't know if he's rejected one or if he's just stalled. Um, he's already been pushed joint highest earner, but I'm going to approach this from all, all kinds of angles here. Um, it's quite recently that's let's go from Salah's point of view. So it's quite up recently that there's a list of players in the Premier League paid more than Salah, and none are better than him. Let's be honest. We take, for example, Grealish is on 100,000 more, Sancho is on about 150,000 more. For example, there's, there's a lot of names, De Gea, um, I think Thomas Partey's on the same wage as him at Arsenal. Um, so, I don't think it's about money, more about respect and about recognition of if I'm the best player in the world, as you keep telling me, and if I'm going to keep scoring goals like he has been, then he needs a wage to reflect that, really. And you can't really argue against it from Salah's point of view. Now, I don't know how much he is asking for. If he's asking for a ridiculous amount, that is going to shatter Liverpool's wage structure. And that's just not going to happen because... Liverpool um, very sensible with the wages at the minute and you wouldn't spend so much on a player that is just going on the wrong side of 30 um, doesn't matter how good he is we know Liverpool are very good in the transfer market as highlighted recently with the Luis Diaz sign he's, he's been excellent and if you do pay Salah mental money if you do give Salah a 150 200000 pound wage rise which is probably what he is worth and probably what he would get at clubs abroad like in PSG or even if he went to a, a city on a free transfer or United on a free transfer it's not that's not going to happen but hypothetically if he was at another club he would be paid maybe double the wages on now but it would just shatter Liverpool's wage structure and you'd get players like Van Dijk would ask for more Thiago would ask for more Fabinho would ask for more Mane Diaz all of them um they put them, so they keep the shoots out for the foot doing that I think so it's a sticky one because you can kind of see where both teams are coming from um, in regards to Salah and the club Salah's agent's not helping matters if you ask me he's maybe turning fans against the player um, 
Klopp tweets on Klopp's tweets on um, on Twitter is a bit childish. We don't like them sort of agents of the club. Um, but yeah, we'll see where this one goes. I think that landing spots for Salah, if, if nothing does come of it, is I'm sure PSG will be looking at replacing for Mbappe because they've been doing everything they can to keep Killian, but it just looks like he's off to Madrid. And with that happening, that rules Madrid out for me. We know Barcelona showed some interest, but I don't know how. I don't know how they're still signing other players, let alone if it was to go for Salah. Um, I don't think Liverpool would let him go to another Premier League club. I don't think Salah would want to ruin his own Anfield legacy, if you will, by going to another Premier League club. So, will Ligon um, appeal to him as much as Anfield does? Stay tuned. Thank you for that, Jim. Obviously, Jim's gave his two pence on that, and I'll just give you mine before I love you and leave you, Cookie Pod listeners. So, in my opinion, Liverpool definitely have to pay Salah the big bucks. They have to break that wage structure that they've done ever so well to keep, and that's credit to Liverpool. They've done excellent to keep that wage structure the way it is. But this guy has done so much for you. You, you look at Mohamed Salah and like Jim rightfully said, his Anfield legacy, he's talked in the same breath as Steven Gerrard, who a lot of Liverpool fans would say is the best ever footballer that's played for the club. And where Gerrard has failed in winning a Premier League for Liverpool, Mohamed Salah has carried them to that. And that, cannot go unnoticed. Mohamed Salah alongside winning the Champions League. So he's not only equaled what Gerard's done, he's eclipsed it by winning the Premier League as well. And you need to pay the man in order for Liverpool to be competitive with City. And Chelsea will be back. United will be back. But Liverpool, in order to stay with these big hitters, need to pay the boys what they're worth and like Jim said it is probably what is worth and he can get that elsewhere and if Mohamed Salah really really wants to stick it to Liverpool he could leave and join another Premier League club and like Jim said I agree with Jim I don't think that will happen but PSG needs to replace Mbappe they need to replace Messi down the line because these guys aren't getting any younger well Messi's definitely not getting any younger and Mbappe's out the door, or he's at least three quarters of the way out the door. But Liverpool, FSG, pay the man, or you will literally go back into another mini-rebuild because this guy scores so many goals for you. Just as we're winding down, Cookie Pod listeners, it is that time of the week, the time where I have to love you and leave you. Me, Stan and Jim, have to love you and leave you. But don't worry about it. We will tell you where you can find us when we're not making podcasts. So you can find us on Twitter and Instagram using the handle at cookiepodcast1. That's at cookiepodcast, followed by the number one. If you want to find any more of our podcasts, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or at our host platform, Anchor FM. Just search in, that's the way the cookie crumbles. It's been episode 132, and that's the way the cookie crumbles. Cookie Pod.